Yo, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. This is a Saturday episode. Welcome back. I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid. Welcome back. Welcome back. I feel good. I hope everybody out there is doing well. Um, shout out to all the first time listeners, shout out to all the regular listeners, shout out to all the DSPs that you guys are using to download this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. Big weekend. We have a big weekend conference championships, conference championships, AFC, NFC. I'm going to, obviously I'm going to break down the matchups. I'm going to break down these matchups. I feel really good about my predictions. I've been doing I've been doing really good um with my predictions so far. I'm I'm nine and one throughout the playoffs so far. So I feel pretty good about my predictions. Obviously, um Hank Aaron, the great legendary Hank Aaron passed. So uh, you know, obviously I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna touch on that a little bit. Um we got we we you know, it's a we got a lot to get into. So I'm I'm excited. I'm really <laughs> I, I'm really am excited. Hope you guys are ready to Go on another podcasting adventure. Let's get into it. Okay. So first, conference championship weekend, right? Conference championships, AFC, NFC. So remember back in wildcard weekend when I gave you guys quarterback narratives? Remember my little quarterback narratives I came up with? And basically, for wildcard weekend, if you're a new listener, for Wild Card Weekend, I gave out every single quarterback that was playing on Wild Card Weekend a narrative if they lost. But that was before the games actually happened. And I laid it all out. I laid every single quarterback that was playing on Wild Card Weekend. I gave those guys all a narrative if they would have lost. So, and I felt, you know, a lot of people found that really good, like interesting and, and insightful. So I'm going to do it again. Conference championship weekend. And you usually hear this question on debate shows like, oh, who has the most pressure coming into this weekend? Who has the most to prove? You know, you, you, you guys, I'm sure you guys have heard those type of questions on debate shows with, you know, with sports and dealing with different athletes and so forth. You guys have probably heard that question before. Who has the most pressure on them? You know, who would this benefit the most? So let's just take a look at the ramifications of this of, of this weekend's games with the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. And let's just go quarterback by quarterback, all four quarterbacks, right? And... I think with the least to prove, it would probably have to be Tom Brady. And the reason, I mean, because think about it. Brady, in his first year with a new team, a a Tampa Bay team historically, who historically has been really dysfunctional. They got to the NFC Championship game, and they lost at Lambeau a year where the Packers um, they they have one of the more potent offenses, if not the most potent offense in football. If you look at their numbers, it you all the numbers point to them being the top offense in football. Aaron Rodgers is having a career year. He's having a MVP type year. So if Tom Brady 
and that's and that's a reason that's the reason why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not favorites coming into this game. Because so if Tom Brady was to lose this game, which I, I think he probably would, I, I'm a I'm just gonna get that I'm gonna I'm gonna get it out the way. I'm picking the Packers to win this game this with this weekend. But I think Brady has the least amount of pressure. He has the least to lose. He has the least amount of pressure because NFC Championship game, yeah, you left Belichick because you wanted to prove you can win a Super Bowl without him. But you got to the NFC Championship game and you you you, you know you ran into Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau. But six time Super Bowl champion, you're the go greatest quarterback of all time. Not 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 really much for Brady to prove. I mean, other than you know winning without Belichick. Which is which would be significant if Brady was to win this game. It'd definitely be significant. But if he was to lose, we wouldn't be like like Tom Brady wouldn't be under the microscope. No, Green Bay's favorite. They're at they're at Lambeau. They're at home. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Their offense is crazy efficient, right? So I think Brady has the least to lose. And then I look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. I mean, so many people, include, including myself a little bit, Um, I, I don't want to say I was down on Josh Allen. I was just, un, I didn't know. I didn't know, what, like, because we all know about his eye-popping arm talent. We all know about the raw arm talent that he possesses. He is very talented with his arm. And then, you know, he's also a great athlete. So big physical athlete, strong. He possesses raw arm talent and ability. Um, And the big, excuse me, I'm sorry. And the big question for Josh Allen was, well, can he be accurate? Can that was not that was like the big question for Josh Allen. First, can he get over that hump as far as like trying to win a division with the Buffalo Bills? Brady is finally out of the division. The Bills, this is definitely their year to win a division. They did that. And now they've gotten back to the AFC Championship game, a place where they haven't been since the great Jim Kelly. So you look at Josh Allen, and if Josh Allen was to lose this weekend, which I mean, they're not favorite, and you're gonna go up against a healthy Patrick Mahomes. You guys, you most of you guys can probably figure that I'm picking Kansas City to win this weekend. But if Josh Allen was to lose, we wouldn't necessarily be putting the microscope on Josh Allen. Now, depending on how they lose, like if he just stinks up the joint and he just throws away the game, then yeah, maybe there'd be some pushback from the media, but. If it's just Patrick Mahomes was just Patrick Mahomes and otherworldly and his and the Bills defense couldn't get enough stops, Josh Allen won't be under like the microscope because Josh Allen, you know, he's had a really good year. Buffalo as a team has had a really good year, AFC championship game, and so forth. So we won't be looking at Josh Allen like, oh my god, like is he really no, is he really worth the hype? No. He's he's proven and shown that hey, he is Josh Allen, talented and also he can be accurate. And the accuracy has drastically improved. And I talked about that on previous occasions already. So if Josh Allen was to lose this weekend, it wouldn't be like a big make or break. 
because we'd be like, well, you know, Buffalo, they had a, they had a really good season. And Josh Allen, he really put his name in the hat for like being a top five quarterback this year and being one of those top young quarterbacks that we're going to be seeing in the future. And, and he's really young, right? So this leaves us with this leaves us obviously with two people, two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Those guys, I don't want to say they have the most to lose necessarily, and, and they probably do, but they have the most to gain. They certainly have the most to gain. And let's dissect Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes is 25 years of age. And he is making a third consecutive AFC championship game appearance. I say that again. He's 25. And he's making his third consecutive AFC championship appearance. If you don't understand the significance behind that, he is the youngest quarterback in league history to go to to appear in three consecutive conference championship games. So that's 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 the significance behind that. M mind you, he's only in his fourth season. This is his fourth season, but his third season as a starter, you know. But then also you look at okay, he wins this. Let's just say Patrick Mahomes wins this weekend. He gets to the Super Bowl and he wins the Super Bowl. Well, let's 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 take a look at this because this would be one this would probably be one of the greatest starts to a career period in any sport. This would be this would be one of the greatest starts if not the greatest start to a career period. In four seasons in well four seasons that he's been in the NFL but really, three seasons that he's been the starting quarterback, he's gotten to three championship games. He has won two of them, and he's gotten to two Super Bowls and has won both of them at the age of 25. Patrick Mahomes, that is that 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 is something. That's off to a that that that's something. That is a great career start. <laughs> At 25, two, two Super Bowl championships, an MVP, three straight consecutive AFC championship games. Now, I don't know how long this run is going to last with Kansas City. I don't know. But Tom Brady, and I know Tom Brady, he won three championships. He led the Patriots to, you know, a Super Bowl very early in his career. But let's be honest. Those first three Super Bowls, especially the you know, those first three Super Bowls, especially like the first two, or at, at least the 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 first one, like Brady was the quarterback, but he wasn't like the marquee guy of those teams. We all know the defenses were great and do, were really dominant. Not taking any way, uh, you know, but he wasn't the guy, you know. Now, in the last three Super Bowl championships, he was the guy. <laughs> Tom Brady was the guy. And he was really clutch in moments, in spots, in those three, in those first three championships. Sure, yes, he was. But he wasn't like, he wasn't the guy. 
Okay? So with Patrick Mahomes, he's the guy. And first three years as a starter, you get to two Super Bowls and you win both of them, that's off to a heck of a start. But then this leaves us with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers, it's been 10 years since he's gotten to the Super Bowl and and won it, right? He's 1-0 in the Super Bowl. He's only been to the Super Bowl one time. Uh, and this weekend, believe it or not, this is Aaron Rodgers' first time ever hosting a NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. Okay? So that's special for Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers would be in rare air if he was to win this weekend and win the Super Bowl. And we would have we would we would if he wins it all this year, we're going to be having a whole different conversation about Aaron Rodgers. Because you know what air this puts him in? He he goes in rarefied air actually. Aaron Rodgers, if he wins it all, if he wins this weekend, and if he wins the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers would be in a short group, a short list of quarterbacks with two Super Bowl victories and at least two MVPs, two league MVPs. You want me to give you guys a list of quarterbacks that's done that before? Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. And Aaron Rodgers, he's already a first. Let me, let me make this clear. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt about that. He can Aaron Rodgers could lose this game this week, and he'll still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, he would be out, he'll be under a lot of scrutiny, you know, because th- this seems like the Packers' year to at least get to the Super Bowl. You know, he's finally at home hosting a conference championship game. So, you know, he'd be under a lot of scrutiny under a microscope a little bit. But don't let's not get a mistake. Aaron Rodgers is already a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I'm just saying it would add and, and tremendously help. It would tremendously help his legacy case and ultimately his GOAT case. But not only that. He'd be in rarefied air because I assume Aaron Rodgers is going to win his third MVP this year. He's going to win his third MVP. And guess how many quarterbacks in league history with two Super Bowls and three or more MVPs? There's two guys that's done it before. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has two Super Bowl victories, five Five league MVPs. Brady has six, obviously six Super Bowl victories with three league MVPs. And when I and and, and by the way, Joe Montana, like I said, rarefied air. Aaron Rodgers, two MVPs, at least two Super Bowl victories. That gets you in the that gets you in the class of Joe Montana. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. But I assume he's going to win his third league MVP and then that puts him in a class with Brady and Manning with at least two Super Bowl victories and at least three MVPs. 
that puts Aaron Rodgers in rarefied air, and that would tremendously help his legacy and GOAT case. So, um, I'm going to shift gears to Hank Aaron. After this quick break, I'm going to shift gears. Um, Catch you guys. So, as you guys may already know, um, legendary baseball player Henry Aaron, uh, or famously known as Hank Aaron, uh, he passed away at eight at the age of 86. And I just thought I'd take a couple minutes just to talk, you know, a, a few minutes just to talk about him and so forth. And it, it just reminds me, you know, I didn't, obviously, I didn't, you know, I, I'm not old enough to remember or even think about Hank Aaron and the greatness that he accomplished on and off the diamond. But it it would just be remiss of me not to mention it. And you can start with civil, you know, civil rights activists. He he played baseball in the 1950s and 60s. And he was in the deep south from Mobile, Alabama, but he played in the deep south. And and for a guy of I mean of Hank Aaron, you know, a just Great baseball player. Abs I mean, phenomenal baseball player. We all when you and when you think of Hank, you, when you think of Hank Aaron, you think of automatically home runs. That's what I think of. Um, I'm no like baseball savant. I don't know the sport of baseball in and out. I know some no, don't get me wrong. I know some baseball. Don't get don't get me wrong, but I'm not like the baseball savant. But when I think of Henry Aaron, Hank Aaron, I think of automatically home run record. That's what comes to mind. You know, he he outdid, passed, he broke the bit. He he broke the home run. And I don't think you guys, re- I don't think some people realize how big that is. Like Babe Ruth first. first <laughs> let's get it understood. Babe Ruth had the record, and Henry Aaron. Broke that record, 715, 700 career, 715 home runs, and he finished with 755. But the record, of course, was 715, or he, you know, 714, and then he hit 715. And throughout this time, I don't know if you guys know, but he received death threats. His family received death threats. Uh, actually, three thousand. He rece- he used to receive three thousand hate letters, hate mail, on a daily basis. <laughs> you want to talk about resiliency and class? He never, he never, you know, talked about it or never like complained about it. He just did what he had to do. Um, and it's just, a, it's just another symbolic symbol or of just class personified. From a guy who was, you know, I know it's cliche when people say he was a better, he was a better man than player. But this, in this case, Hank Aaron, it's not cliche. He was, he was, he was, he was the be- he was a better man than player, um, and just class personified everywhere you looked. And then obviously you think about the baseball aspect. Not you know, civil rights activist play like I said, play baseball in the 1950s and 60s. Most of his career it it, it spanned from the 1950s to the 1960s. 
all the way to 1976 where he retired. But you guys get it. The meat of his career, the meat of his career was in the 1950s through the 1960s. And we all know what was happening going on in the 1950s and the 1960s in most states throughout this country. We all know. So it's nothing but gratitude and appreciation and just nothing but admiration for this guy. I mean, for this legendary, not just here, not just like sports hero, but hero as just like a person. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't get any better than that. And then I just want to explain like the significance behind the home run, the home run record in baseball at that time. Because at that time, the NFL and the NBA was not nearly as popular, and you you can combine the two. It still was not nearly as popular as the MLB. And the most, and at that time, the home run record was the like the most covenant record that an individual could have. And it's not like it's a season like record or. It's a it's a game record. No, it was a it, it was an embodiment of a whole entire career record. And the Bay Roof had the record, and and Hank Aaron broke it. And the, and the thing about Hank Aaron and his career, and and obviously we know that Barry Bonds is technically number one. And depending on how you judge the Barry Bonds situation, like we obviously all know that Barry Bonds was using steroids. Um, he, you know, now he never got caught in the act of it, but we all know, and Barry Bonds and Barry knows that he was using uh steroids. And and in some and in some people's eyes, I would assume Hank Aaron is still the leader in home runs because People just dis they just discount and disqualify in those, you know, in those years where Barry Bonds is using steroids. And rightfully so. Right, rightfully so. Rightfully so. If you wanna if you just if you think Hank Aaron is still the home run king and still owns the record, that is that I have no problem with that in in that thinking. I have no problem with that. But we know that we all we I just want to make a note that we all know Barry Bonds is using steroids. We we all know that. And just just the fact that the mere fact that he broke that record is just amazing. Okay? It's it's amazing. And it's probably still the most covenant record in in, in American sports. Period. Not only that, he was he was not just like a home run hitter. He was a great, like, just hitter overall. He had 3,000 hits. He had over 3,000 hits. So if you can, you can literally take away all of his home runs, he would still be a first ballot Hall of Famer because he was a multi, he was a three-time Golden Glove winner. He had 3,000 hits. And get this, you want to hear a crazy stat? Hank Aaron was a 25-time All-Star in 23 seasons. That just uh, amazing. Now how how do you do that? I, great. That that's greatness. But he you know in 23 seasons he made 25 he 25 all-star games. 25 all-star games. You want to talk about longevity? That is longevity right there. 
And the reason why he made 25 All-Star games in 23 seasons is because they had multiple All-Star games in certain seasons. So that's how he was able to make it to, you know, <laughs> more All-Star games than actual seasons that he actually played in because they had multiple All-Star games, and he made both multiple All-Star games. You get that? So Hank Aaron was uh, – you can take away all of his home runs. He still – would be a Hall of Famer. And by any and by no means, I'm not saying Barry Bonds before the steroids wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer. That's a different subject because I believe without the steroids, Barry Bonds would still he he still was on pace to a Hall of Fame career. Now, like I said, if you think that Hank Aaron is still the home run king and home run leader, that's that is that is totally fine and and definitely understandable because you can make that you have a valid a very valid argument and I would I, I would be willing to make that argument but just a legendary man and a legendary player and I would just feel remiss not to mention him not to talk about it briefly and I'm just gonna play this clip where he breaks the record of the home run record of Beirut's 715. Ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Butler goes back to the fence. It is in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. As Aaron circled the bases, the Dodgers on the infield shook his hand. Yeah. A black man in the deep south threatening Babe Ruth's home run record. And he did it in class and modesty. Uh, rest in peace to the great Hank Aaron. I just thought you we gotta gotta give people their flowers. Have to. Hank Aaron just handled himself with just class and dignity, even when his record were surpassed. Like I said, were surpassed by Barry Bonds, uh, fraudulently. I must say, um, still handling you know with dignity. Baseball trailblazer with you know speaking up about black about. Baseball having black executives, black presidents, black B VPs, and so forth—really, really a trailblazer in every way—and and, and just 
an American hero and role model. Hey, y'all. I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. And before I even move on, think about this. <laughs> he made 21, Hank Aaron, he made 21 straight All-Star games. He's the all-time leader in, 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 in RBIs. <laughs> all-time leader in RBIs. And he played in, a, in bigger parks, quite frankly. He played in bigger parks than you know, and of the likes of like Barry Bonds, he played in bigger parts, parks, excuse me, stadiums, so forth, and and was and widely like I don't want to say underrated, but a counterpart of his, such as like Willie Mays, Willie Mays was the, like the more the more flashier player, and everybody just gravitated towards that. But Hank Aaron is easily a top five baseball player of all time, easily a top five baseball player of all time. So this shifts me to um, <laughs> the Detroit Lions. Good gosh. Should I even, I've been talking about Hank Aaron over the last several minutes. And now I got to talk about this, 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 I mean, just a terrible franchise and the Detroit Lions. Um, I'm going to... Uh, okay, so... <laughs> I, I swear I did not want to talk about this. But it's getting too much buzz. I'm going to talk about it. A couple people hit me up about it. So I am going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about the Lions' new head coach, Dan Campbell. Good luck. If you're a Lions fan, please, please don't. Please don't cancel me, but this is bad if you're a Lions fan. This is bad. It's utterly ridiculous at this point. So I must even say this. When I first saw this hire, I did want to talk about it because on social media, I had already posted. I'm like, this is such a Lions hire. Dan Campbell is a former Lions player. He played three seasons for the Lions. They were horrible when he played, um, and, 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 just horrible. Then he was an assistant coach. The most notable job is he was an assistant coach in New Orleans for about five years, and now he ends up with the Detroit Lions head coaching job on a six-year deal. Um, and I'm just gonna play the I'm gonna play the video. This place has been kicked, it's been battered, it's been bruised, and I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't, but none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that shit, so excuse my language. All right, here's what I do know, is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right, and this city's been 
been down and it found a way to get up. All right. It's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right. And so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before, before long, we're they going to be the last one standing. All right. That's going to be the mentality. Is that a head coach or is that a WWE wrestler? Dan Campbell, stop it. You're a head coach or are you? I don't even know if you have the qualifications. But, hey, you got the job. This is horrible. And this tough guy talk, I don't know. The, the, the First, you know what this shows me from the Detroit Lions? The Detroit Lions, as a franchise, they have, they have low self-esteem. As a franchise, the Detroit Lions have low self-esteem. And you guys know I've been banging on this franchise. Because I was I, I was I was heavily critical of Matt Patricia and the job he done. And the reason why I was so critical with Matt Patricia first didn't look like a head coach at all. He he looks so much like a coordinator and he's back in his rightful position. But then that that Matt Patricia was the guy that they hired after they fired Jim Caldwell. Now you bring in Mancho Man, Dan Campbell, who I don't know, he's talking about biting kneecaps? What are you, some type of Hannibal? What are you, what are you some type of animal? What kind of, and I know it's, it's supposed to be metaphoric, but that's a little too graphic, don't you think? Biting off kneecaps? Really? Really? The Lions, they should be ashamed of themselves. The Lions have two playoff wins since 1957. I repeat, the Lions have two playoff wins since 1957. One came in 1991 and the other came in 1957. This Lions team is awful. And as a franchise, it is awful. And I, I, and I, quite frankly, honestly, I don't even know how you can be a Lions fan. The Cleveland Browns finally got the right coaches, Kevin Stefanski. The Cleveland Browns aren't even a laughing stock anymore. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not even a laughing stock anymore because they're about to land Trevor Lawrence. And they got any high Urban Meyer. So at least they're trying to do something. They're trying to do something, right? They're trying to move in the right direction. The Detroit Lions, what is this? What is this? This is supposed to be a coach, not some type of animal or carnivore. He, he, kneecaps, bite your kneecap. It just doesn't sound. It. I mean, this whole tough guy talk. It, 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 it only works for so long. 
in some of these, I, I can I can only imagine. I can only imagine some of these players that that whole like tough guy speech. It goes uh, it goes in one year, one ear and out the other. Dan Campbell, no soup for you, no soup for you. Dan Campbell, honestly, and, and you want to talk about this. I pay attention. I pay close attention to the lines because I, like I said, I was heavily, I was just critical of Matt Patricia. And just looking at this roster, honestly, I don't care if you eat anybody's kneecaps. This roster is horrible. This roster is horrible. And the fact that the Lions, they signed him to a six-year deal not a three-year deal not a four-year deal not a five-year deal they signed him to a six-year deal this don't sound like a coach and and, and this and like i said the tough guy talk it's all good and gravy so the lions are on a three or four game losing streak and the players don't feel like running through a wall. Then what happens? You're gonna need you're gonna you're gonna need some actual X's and O's knowledge. You're gonna need to, you're gonna need to know some football. You, what about the X's and O's? What about that? What about that? It, uh, Sean McVay wouldn't have his press conference wouldn't sound like this. Tell please name me a top ten coach. Who press conference would sound like this? I, I I always tell you guys, Mike Tomlin is one of the best, if not the best, coach at the podium. Like I love it, the way how he talks, the way how Mike Tomlin presents himself, he makes me want to go put on some shoulder pads here and there. But this talk right here. This talk is supposed like people's look people some people look at this type of talk and speech and it's like oh yeah I want to I want to run through a wall for this guy. No. I don't want to run I don't want to run through no wall for this guy. I'm looking at this guy with my eyebrow raised and I'm like what are you? Are you human? Like what are what, you biting kneecaps? What? What is that? What, what 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 are you? What 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 are you? And then I'm just really curious. I'm really curious. First, what qualifications? What on what on Dan Campbell's resume warrants him to land a head coaching job and not only land a head coaching job but a but to get a six year deal and by the way I'm not hating on the guy I'm not hating on the guy I'm not trying to mess up anybody's money I'm not trying to mess up anybody's flow of 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 cash I'm not but I'm just curious because you're telling me Brian Dayball couldn't get this job you telling me Eric Bemenemy couldn't get this job? You telling me this is the same franchise that fired Jim Caldwell after back-to-back nine and seven seasons? But since then, and before before him and, and and after him, they haven't even sniffed nine wins. So I'm just trying to figure out 
what on his resume, Dan Campbell, what on his resume warrants him getting a job like this? And like I said, the Lions job, it's not like like prestigious or anything, but there's 32 head coaching jobs in the league. 32. And to get one of those 32, it is a great job. Just to get one of those 32. And I'm also trying to figure out, okay, what on his resume made you guys give this guy the job? But also, what did he say in the interview that said, you know what? We need to hire this guy as a head coach. What did he, I'm just curious. What did he say in the interview that said, oh my God, we need to hire him right now. Give him a six-year deal. I mean, because I, I'm hearing reports, Eric Bimini, he doesn't interview well, and and we all know what, where that comes from. We we all know where that stems from. Black coach doesn't interview well. Why why you gotta put that out? You never hear a report of a young white coach not you you never hear a report of a young white coach not interviewing well. If they don't get the job, they just don't get the job. You net, but you never hear. Oh, you know, they didn't interview well because with that, with those reports circulating about Eric Bemenemy, that limits the opportunities of him even getting a head coaching job. Even I, I heard Eric Bemenemy's press conference when the media asked him and addressed him with the question of, "Are you disappointed?" Because are you disappointed? Are you a little disappointed because you didn't get a head coaching job yet, or you didn't get you? You know, they asked him that question, and Eric Benjamin, he answered it like a head coach. He answered it like a head coach. But I'm I, I'm really trying to figure out what did Dan Campbell say that had the Lions out of their chairs, ready to sign. And I mean, hire this dude. What did he say? What did he? And I know the biting of the kneecaps is is supposed to be metaphoric, but it's just not a. It's just that's just that's just a little too graphic. And I'm not. And when I say animal, I'm not literally. I'm not calling him an animal. But biting kneecaps. That's that's animalistic. So like I said, I'm just curious to know what did he say that was so impressive that just caught the eye and, and had the and had the Lions management drooling so much that they had to hire this guy on a six-year deal. And I'm just thinking, well, Eric Bimini, how does he interview? I mean, people say he interviews, he doesn't interview well, but I, I, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what what exactly are they looking for? But I have my answer. I know my answer. I know it. And it's bad. It's bad that Eric Bimini has yet to not he, – he hasn't gotten a, a head coaching job yet. Um, There were seven vac vacancies. Uh, Six of those jobs are taken now. And the Texans job remains open. But – and I know Bimini, he wants a coaching gig, and I, I, I'm not going to say, hey, don't take it, but 
that Texas job is not really desirable, especially with this, especially if you can't convince Deshaun Watson to stay. But the Lions, they have low self-esteem as a as a as a franchise, just a low self-esteem franchise. Uh, very little standard at this point. I mean, what what do you make of that? That's uh, th- I mean, what do you make of that? I know, I know some players are probably probably calling their agents, seeing what they what can they do to get out of town, because that that is ridiculous. Okay, so I'm gonna give you finally, I'm gonna give you guys my AFC NFC conference championship game predictions. Uh, you guys probably know where I'm rolling with this on like where I stand between both of these games, but I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna give you some a couple reasons why. I'm going with the teams that I'm going with. Um, and let's just start in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And like I said, Josh Allen has had a terrific year. He's he's had he's taken a massive leap, especially in that in that in that accuracy, in that completion percentage category. Massive leap from Josh Allen. Really, really, really massive leap, and like, and as I said in the you know in earlier segments in this um episode, I think Josh Allen, there's not a lot for him to lose, right? Like he's not favored. He's going to he's going into Kansas City versus Patrick Mahomes, and so forth. But it's a big game. It's still a really big. I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like this is not a meaningful game. No, no. This is still a really meaningful game and a big game for Josh Allen. I mean, this is a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, oh, it's not. No, but I just think it's more at stake for Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. That's just the way I look at it. But Josh Allen, he's going to get paid, and he's taking the bills to heights that they haven't been in a very, very, very long time since Jim Kelly. But this Bills, in effect, like their run game is so ineffective and they are so one-dimensional where you put all the onus on Josh Allen to make plays. And I saw it last week with Brian Dayball. He just he just gave the reins to Josh Allen to throw it and throw the ball everywhere across the yard. And Josh Allen in the first half was only able to register only three points. Now, granted, Baltimore's defense is really stout, and 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 Baltimore's defense is it's better than Kansas City's, but that's still very telling to me. And more so, the one-dimensional aspect, because I feel like to, in order to beat Kansas City, you have to have some remnants of balance play. On offense, that's why I think the Packers have a great. I think the Packers have a good chance at beating the Chiefs if the two were if the two teams were to meet because they're balanced. The with the Bills, I don't see an I don't see a balanced attack from the Bills offensively. I don't. I, I'm. I would assume that we're going to see a lot of designed runs for Josh Allen, a lot of all script runs for you know that Josh Allen is going to create. I would assume we're going to see more of that, but or, or some of that, but I just don't think they're balanced enough. Um, also, let's talk about this Bills defense, and it's been like I said over the last t- like ten weeks, uh, if you want to be honest, they have been playing some really good football. Now, I do think it's really telling in these two postseason games that they have played so far. They have allowed the Baltimore Colts 
I mean, the Baltimore Colts. Oh, my God. They have allowed the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts to get into the red zone eight times. Now, luckily enough, they were only able to register. Those teams were only able to register 16 points. Now, you know, Justin Tucker missed two kicks, which is just, I mean, I, I couldn't, I never thought I'd see a day where Justin Tucker missed two kicks in a row in the same game. Thought I thought I thought I'd never see the day, but it happened. And you know, they forced a couple turnovers in the red zone. I'm gonna tell you right now, Kansas City getting to the red zone, they're not gonna turn the ball over. I'm not sure sure about the kicking situation because Harrison Buckner missed a couple field goals. He missed a couple kicks last weekend. But I can assure you, they're probably Kansas City's probably not gonna turn the football over like Baltimore and like Indianapolis did. So I'm thinking about I, I just don't know. I think their their defensive numbers, they now I'm gonna be honest, they have a lot of talent in the secondary defensively. But their defensive numbers, I don't think – I think some of them are a bit skewed. I think their numbers are a bit skewed. So – and also, I think this is – and I, even bigger than, like, the secondary point, this is the main thing defensively for the Bills. They don't have that dominant pass rusher. The Bills don't have a dominant pass rush. So – Literally, Kansas City could drop back and get into five wide and say, hey, we trust our receivers on the outside to make a play and beat their guy. And, like, defensively, Buffalo up front wouldn't be able to do anything about it because they don't have a dominant pass rush or they don't have a dominant pass rusher. So I think that is really the key for me. So I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game 31-24. to 31-24, Kansas City. Um, I think they're can, – can we get, the, can we get the, the odds up as far as, like, what are, what are the odds? Um, what's, what's the odds for this, this Chiefs game? So, yeah. As I guess, as I predicted correctly, the the Kansas City is favored by three points. Um, they haven't been really good against the spread this year, but I'm gonna go with a final score of 31-24. I think Kansas City cash in on opportunities that Baltimore and Indianapolis did not. Now let's shift gears to the NFC Championship game where the Buccaneers will have no Antonio Brown. They do get um an important defensive tackle back. The, um, I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to go with the Pack. Uh, despite now, that week six matchup, Aaron Rodgers got annihilated by this Buccaneers defense. He saw a lot of exotic blitz packages. And what basically what Tom Bowles did was he blitzed his linebackers and he had his defensive ends drop back into coverage. And for some reason, Aaron Rodgers, you know, in week six just could not figure that out. But I think this time game is at Lambeau. Both teams are two different teams at this at this juncture. I, I think we can all admit that the Packers are better, the Buccaneers are better, but I'm gonna roll with the Pack. Um, the Buccaneers first. The, the Packers are balanced. They're gonna have a balanced attack. 
Um, so that so that 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 blitz, those those exotic blitzes, those exotic blitz that Todd Bowles were sending, I don't think he's gonna be able to send as frequently because hey, I look at a guy. I look at a guy like Aaron Jones, um, who, who 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 can run the football. They got they got guys like Dillard. They have the the Packers have multiple guys that can come in and tote the football. Um, also, I'm looking at the Packers red zone offense. The Packers are number one in red zone offense. Yes, the Packers are number one in the red zone. And I'm just gonna read you Aaron Rodgers' stats in the red zone. Red zone passing. 30, 36 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a, and a passer rating of 117. Both of those categories, touchdowns and passer rating, are both first. He ranks first in those categories. So I'm looking, I'm looking at this Packers offense. It's balanced. It's really good. The red zone, I think that I mean Matt LaFleur has done a masterful job at being creative with this offense and the pieces that they have. Um, and then I look at Tampa Bay on the defensive end, on the secondary, they like to take a lot of chances. Um, they were able to beast and feast off of uh, off of Drew Brees and all those underneath routes. But now you have to go against Aaron Rodgers, who can beat you over the top and stretch the field. So that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna take into account with. With um that's that's what I'm taking into account. With this Packers, uh, with this Buccaneers defense, and then Brady, um, I think the Buccaneers offense it'll 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 be okay, um, it'll be okay. But no Antonio Brown, this Buccaneers offense still have like a, an embarrassment of riches, um, so weapons won't be the necessary issue. I just don't think they have enough possessions because I think the pack, I think the Packers are going to be able to eat up some clock, and I think they're going to be able to have that balanced pass running game that they love and that they've been seeing in the Packers right now. They're, they're looking like the best team in football right now. They're looking like the best team remaining. So I'm going to go with a final score of 34 to 26, or excuse me, I got the wrong score. I'm going to go with a final score of 34 to 26. Seven. Um, I, I think the Packers win this game. It wouldn't surprise me if they won by 10 points. Like if if it if it ended up like 34, 24. Um, but I'm gonna give a little bit, I'm gonna give a little bit of respect to Brady. I think they're gonna try to keep it close, but I just don't think they have enough possessions. So I'm gonna go with the Packers. Those are my uh conference championship predictions. I have the Packers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, either whoever wins is we're gonna get a good matchup. But ideally, ideally, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Packers, like ideally, that is the matchup that everybody I think that most people want. If you don't live in Buffalo or Tampa Bay, the, ideally, that's what that's the that's the matchup you want. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm going to let you guys enjoy your weekend. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. I'm really appreciative of you guys for continuing to support me and download and stream this podcast. So thank you guys. Um, see you. Peace. Deuces. Gone.
Always remember two choices, one decision. Always remember. And I'm out.